Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back on an awesome year for movies, which is every year. And in our first season, we are looking at the movies of 1994. I'm Josh Bell, film critic for various places uh, online and in Las Vegas. And joining me is... I'm Jason Harris, comedian, filmmaker, social butterfly. So true. Really, you are. And of course, we're here with our amazing producer, David Rosen, uh, creator and host of the Piecing It Together podcast as well. Hey, everybody. Hey, Josh. We're, yes. This is an awesome movie year, but this movie today, not many people thought was awesome. No, but so. this movie is maybe awesomely terrible. Uh, we are talking about the biggest failure of 1994. Biggest flop. Biggest flop. Uh, and it is uh, not only a, a box office flop, but as you were saying, a critical flop, audience flop, Rob Reiner's North. Woo! Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, flop-wise, this movie made $7 million in North America on a budget of $40 million. Uh, which is obviously not good. Um, although really... Doesn't sound that bad. In yeah, compared to other flops, I feel like there's definitely bigger boondoggles. Um, it was also nominated for six awards at the Razzies, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor for Bruce Willis, Worst Supporting Actor for Dan Aykroyd, Worst Supporting Actress for Kathy Bates, Worst Director for Rob Reiner, and Worst Screenplay. But it didn't win any of those. Can I just, you know, and after watching it, I mean, Bruce Willis wasn't bad in it. He was fine. He yeah. was straight down the middle. Yeah. And Kathy Bates didn't even have enough to do to be, you know, I didn't think she was bad either. That's, those are a little unfair Razzies. Yeah, I, I think, I, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think the Razzies, and this is a whole separate issue, but the, the Razzies just will pick on certain movies and nominate them for every category, even if it doesn't justify, just because they've decided this movie is like the worst. Yeah, I'm fine with the Dan Aykroyd nomination. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, likes, yeah. Uh, he likes to go big in this one. They should have given it to Reba, his wife in this. Uh, movie, so. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think really uh, you can blame Rob Reiner in large part for the way these performances came off because he's he's steering the ship and telling those people what to do. And I think that's probably why this is one of the reasons it's considered such a flop because in a way this is a fable and Rob Reiner hit it out of the park with Princess Bride. Yeah, of course, he's coming off an amazing run. Yeah. Uh going into this movie of Princess Bride and Spinal Tap and Few Good Men. Few Good Men not and Not a fable. Not a fable, but just just classic classic films uh when Harry met Sally uh I mean, he was a massive, important director at the time of this film. Yeah, I mean, and not everything can be like, dude, those are what, like four masterpieces? In right, so right, right. How can you, how, you gotta, you're gonna miss once in a while. So. Yeah, um, but this was a massive miss. Um, and looking at reviews, I think, honestly, possibly the most famous thing about this movie <laughs> is the review the Ebert, that Roger Ebert yeah. wrote, who said... Uh, I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience-insulting moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it. Hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would be entertained by it. And he just, I mean, there's a lot more to this review, but 
he goes to town on this movie in a way that he rarely ever does. Yeah, but Rob Reiner had the ultimate comeback for it. Do, do you remember this on the roast? Uh, no. I think it, it was probably the roast for Rob Reiner, but it was some roast. And like I think Michael McKeon had brought up this review and he quoted the hated, 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 hated everything about it. And Rob Reiner said, see, when you read between the lines, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was interesting looking because, of course, that that review is so famous. Um, and, and Siskel and Ebert gave this movie two thumbs down, of course. Um, but looking for other reviews that came out at the time. Wait, wait, just real fast. That yes. review is so famous. He wrote a book. Yes. About called movies. I hated, 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 hated yeah. this movie. Yes. Um, and again, I feel like people know that more than they know this movie. Um, but you know, for the sake of balance, uh, Mick LaSalle in the San Francisco Chronicle said, uh, North is director Rob Reiner's first flat-out failure, a sincerely wrought, energetically made picture that all the same crashes on takeoff, it's strange and oddly distasteful, at its best, managing to be bad in some original and unexpected ways. Uh, you know, he was kind of generous. I think that's fair, man. He took us, he took swings and he missed, but like the intentions were there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, Rita Kempley in the Washington Post called it 88 of the most painful minutes in movie history, <laughs> mean-spirited and incredibly stupid. Did you find any good reviews on it? Um, you know, there was one contemporary review, I just looking through Rotten, for Rotten Tomatoes, um, that that had a positive, but I wasn't able to get the full uh, text, so I wasn't uh, able to quote Dave, it. Dave, can you look up best review of North? Well, I don't know about best, but I was actually just doing that. I was looking up reviews, and the first review that comes up on IMDb is just a user uh, says, why does everyone slam this movie? What were the critics expecting? Oscar-worthy stuff? Which, <laughs> And I mean, I think people probably were expecting that because of Rob Reiner's track record. I guess so. I mean, yeah, I mean, he just have built so much and he's Hollywood royalty because of his dad and what, and also, you know, his own career. Well, yeah, I mean, right? even so, forget yeah. about his dad. Like you right. were saying, like, look at that list of movies that he right. made leading up to well, this. Well, and you're thinking like, okay, he came out all in the family and like, Oh, what I'm saying with his dad is he's got a 50-year legacy sure. that he's building yeah. on and everything yeah. like that. So, but I mean, and especially because this is, you know, it's based on the comic writer Alan Zweibel's book, North, the tale of a nine-year-old boy who becomes a free agent and travels the world in search of the perfect parents. So it is this fable, and he's just like, who who better to direct a modern fable than Rob Reiner? Right, after right. And Princess you could, Bride. You could argue that the Princess Bride is a light, you know, is not a movie that would be expected to win Oscars, but that's a movie that that people like that that stood the test of time and that even as it came out, people love and considered a great movie, not just like a fun throwaway thing for and kids. It, and and having watched it recently, it is. It's yeah. an awesome movie. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um so I don't think it was unreasonable for people to expect something great out of this movie. I mean the premise is interesting. A kid divorces his parents and goes around the world trying to find um, you know, the right parents for him. You could really like build some comedy in there and you know, maybe maybe it shouldn't have been a PG movie. Maybe it needed to be a hard R and like, <laughs> you know, a little more good sunish or something like right. that. Right. Well, know. yeah, I think part of the problem with this movie is that it 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 doesn't know kind of who its target audience is or or what tone to strike and uh so so let's we'll can get into what we thought of it, but I I want to know mm. um 
we mentioned in our Lion King episode, you uh, watching with your daughter Scarlett and her dancing around, and you attempted to watch this movie with her as well, right? Yeah, she shut this one off pretty quickly. <laughs> so even the five-year-old uh, hated, hated, hated yeah. it. But she just said she didn't like it. But um, she didn't like it. I remember watching this again, not in the theater, but on video very quickly after. And yeah. I, in my teenage years, I remember liking the movie and never oh, okay. understanding like what everyone's problem was with it. And I had probably watched it more than once as a teenager, you know, and I thought it was fun and zippy and I liked the different set pieces. And, you know, I mean, like I, if I'm going to give this credit for anything now, I like the fact that like he built um, environments into like old Hollywood sets. Everything looks very fake. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of fun. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I I disagree with teenage me on uh, on the film now. But yeah, that was the first time I had seen it. So. Okay, yeah, I never saw it until just you know recently to prepare for this podcast. So, um, but I was a devoted Siskel and Ebert viewer, so I may have seen their review of it. I'm not sure, um, but I definitely, like I was saying, for a lot of people who know that review more than they know the movie, I definitely was very aware of that and only vaguely aware of what the movie itself was before seeing it. Yeah, it is one of the most famous reviews of all time. Yes, it really is. And I, I I did, you know, weirdly, like we're talking, so at the time, the expectations of people were high, right? Rob Reiner is this incredibly well-regarded director. He's made these amazing films. Tons of famous actors. Right, right. And so people have these very high expectations. Of course, now, seeing it for the first time in 2019, the expectations are as low as they possibly can be. Yeah. You expect it to be this horrible, horrible, horrible movie. It's not. And it's not a good movie. It's right. definitely not a good movie. But we will talk more about that and our general thoughts on North when we come back. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. On this episode of our season about the movies of 1994, we're taking a look at the biggest flop of the year, Rob Reiner's North. It's not, it's not the movie that that deserved this like death pounding. Right. I, I probably not. I definitely don't think it is the worst movie or one of the worst movies ever made. I wouldn't even say that I hated it. It is extraordinarily misguided. I think that was the main impression that I got, that you can see what they were going for and they just missed the mark every step of the way. I think that's a fair assessment. And for those who haven't seen it, North played by Elijah Wood. Who's good, even as a kid actor here. You know, yeah, so although North good. is a horrible character. He's such a dick. Well, there's way worse characters than that. We'll get it. Yeah, uh, that's I true. Like but but he's and... supposed to be the sweet, nice protagonist. Well, and I just hated him. I, I want to know why in a minute. But basically, he divorces his parents, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Jason Alexander, you know? Yes. So, uh, in the middle of the Seinfeld run. And they go into like a catatonic state because they're so shocked. So North goes around the country and... Uh, he goes to Texas and he, you know, where he goes to this rich couple's house, which is Dan Aykroyd and Reba McIntyre. Then he goes to Hawaii where he's going to be the governor's kid. Then he goes to Alaska. And that seems like a nice family until they send grandpa out to sea to go die, played by Abe Vigoda. And then finally he, you know, then there's a montage of quick hitters where he's going different places. And uh, finally he see, he finds the perfect family in upstate New York, played by uh, John Ritter. Faith Ford and who played the daughter young Scarlett Johansson her first her first role also in this movie young Jussie Smollett yes who played the kind of uh heavy like bodyguard the you know kid turned yes. uh 
who informant who squeals on his boss to North. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, comic relief from John Lovitz playing the slimy John Lovitz lawyer type. And of course, in the end, North realizes. And then Bruce Willis, who, you know, is in every sequence as like kind of the soothsayer of. Yeah, he's sort of this mystical presence who shows up wherever North is as a different person to give him advice. Yeah. So um, that's the basic premise. Of course, you know, North goes back to his. Um, original parents who in that first scene, like they suck as parents, you know? I mean, they're not like, yes, that first scene shows them being very self, self-absorbed. Yeah. But I think from the start, North himself is easily as self-absorbed as his parents. Now, why do you hate North so much? Because, okay, so North tells you all about how great he is from the start. He's the star of the school play. He gets these amazing grades. He's a star athlete on the baseball team. He's a smug little dude, North. And he's mad that his parents are not paying uh, close attention to him at all times and instead are, you know, concerned with their own careers, which seems stressful. You know, Jason Alexander has to test pants, which was my favorite part of the whole movie. Uh, He's number six inspector of pants. Yeah. Um, you know, he takes a, a very drastic uh, response to his like slightly neglectful parents who really don't treat him that poorly, seem to provide him with everything he could possibly need, you know, financially and comfort wise. He's got a nice house. They're serving him food. They send him to a nice school. And, you know, he's ungrateful North, I think. And then he goes to all these other parents and he treats them like, oh, well, what do you, what can you offer me? You know, I, I didn't sympathize with him at all. Well, he's in the driver's seat here, Josh. Yeah. You know, when you're a talent like North, you're playing Tevya. You're the star <laughs> pitcher. You know, you're getting the good grades. You, 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 you can call your shot. You know, every, uh, every other parent in the, in the neighborhood, as they point out in the film, use North as an example of how good a kid could be. Right. right. So. But they, they don't point that out in the film. North himself <laughs> points it out <laughs> and how great he is and how everyone says he's so great. And why can't his parents just fawn over him all the time? Like everyone else. Well, if you're a free agent in sports or anything else, you're going to be looking for the best deal. So when he goes to these different places, he wants to see why, you know, that would be the right fit for him. I can't blame him on that. Given the circumstances that led him there. Yeah. No, I just felt like from the start, I, I was soured on the idea of caring about this kid and what he's doing with his yeah, life. Yeah, Some things are better in print as like kind of a satirical. Sure. Right. Don't translate over. to Yeah. Movies. Yeah. And this might have been I, you know, haven't read. I don't know if anyone it was not a book that was a big sensation or anything. Um, I certainly haven't read it. Um, yeah. And then I mean, not, so not only is North, I feel like unlikable. But then we have the the sort of villains of the piece, his friend Winchell, who is horribly annoying. And he comes from like, a, that, this I agree with you. He He's like a 1940s newspaper man. And then he turns into this weird, like evil tycoon character. Yeah, like he's a Citizen Kane type or yes. something, right? And so he's already like, uh, you know, five decades behind. And then and see, and you know, even rewatching it when he's going to the different North's going around to the different parents, I'm like, eh, whatever. It's it's all right. It's not the worst thing in the world. But Act Three goes totally off the rails with Winchell putting a hit out on his best friend. <laughs> How crazy does that sound, Dave? An eleven year old putting a hit out on another eleven year old. 
Yeah, that that sounds like the early '90s to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the reason he did it is because he's now power grabbed so much, and like he's he's so powerful, he's gonna make this shitty lawyer John Lovett's president, and he's gonna control all these kids, like going over to different parents now. And yeah, he's like gonna that. be like the ruler of the world. Yeah, he's or something. Up, yeah, that's basically he said he's more powerful than the president. Yeah, it, it's it goes. So, that character is just not a. a no, no. And and I mean, I do think you you said this a little bit that this points to a version of this movie that could have just been completely like surreal and dark and weird. It made me think of another uh, kid movie from the 90s, uh, Matilda, which I don't know if you've seen that that's based on a Roald Dahl novel who isn't afraid to go, even though that movie is for kids, to go like dark and twisted and and i think it succeeds much better at that kind of I thing i think you needed that because the the premise that kids rule the world like that's a fun premise you could make that work and everything but yeah. uh, this this definitely um is not that so. no no i mean it, it doesn't it doesn't work um and and when it takes it into that darker territory with north running around while he's being shot at by yeah, some henchmen you you wonder who is this movie for and and what are they trying to do here with this movie i agree with all of that now did you like anything in this movie um you know i liked the opening credits um and that sounds they silly but 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 yeah they yeah. have a nice little like a sort of a montage of of like uh toys and knickknacks that represent what's what's later to come right, the different places that he's going to throughout yeah this. yeah i thought that was a uh, clever and, and and it felt like the the tone which obviously they wanted to be like a fable it, it felt like it was setting that proper tone for what what should be uh to come you know it, it draws you in in the right way but then it, it immediately undermines that i think with the way north acts and his interactions with with his friend winchell so yeah it was all downhill from the opening credits well to me the first place it goes completely haywire and like you're like what is happening here is so the first family that north visits is uh dan Aykroyd and reba mcintyre both uh somehow trying to outbig each other in performance yeah. in this one as like two Texas billionaires whose son died, right? Which is a very yeah. strange thing to put in the kids. And movie. He, he died because they like overfed him. Right. So that's the that's the premise of this first thing. They want so Dan Aykroyd gives North the Houston Astros. That's how rich he is. He just owns it. Yeah. I sign over the Houston Astros to your mouth. Yeah. Right? Like, that's how he kind of talked. And he, you know, they're all shiny, clothes, cowboy, you know, uh, it's like a halftime show type thing. And they basically decide that they want to keep feeding North to be a fat boy like Buck, I think his name I don't was. remember. And, but, and when North finds this out, like, he's like, huh? And then Dan Aykroyd and Reba McIntyre go into a musical number yes. about making North fat that it's like, <laughs> what the hell is happening here? It's like, it just comes completely out of nowhere. And it, that is not a good musical. No. Number, and though. furthermore, there are no more musical numbers in this movie. <laughs> Which it is just, probably a good thing. It is a good thing. But again, it's like so incongruous. Um yeah, and, and all of those things that you're describing, I think if they were pushed into the realm of complete surreality or absurdity or had any level of self-awareness to them, could have worked in a way. I mean, I don't know if Rob Reiner is the right director to make that kind of movie. You know, if Terry Gilliam had directed this movie, it might have worked in a weird kind of way. Well, I mean, 
you know, Spinal Tap was subversive and like really nailed like this kind of like underbelly of humor. Yeah, but is so. Spinal Tap is not surreal or dark or weird in any way. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about every family that he visits in this movie is a horrible, <laughs> often offensive stereotype. <laughs> I I agree with you on that, except for John Ritter. And I mean, even that is a stereotype right. of like a quintessential white suburban. Family, right. So right? he visits all of the ethnic families. Well, he visited a white family first. That's true. The te- which are terrible stereotypes of like Southerners and Texans. And his real parents are in that first scene are horrible stereotypes of like Jews. Yes, you know? that so, is that is true. And it's, it's only the nice suburban white bread, like Christian family, yeah. the leave it to beaver style family that embraces him and treats him well. Right, and then at the end, his, uh, his stereotypical uh, Jew uh, parents, uh, and and I say Jew as a Jew, uh, um, become far less Jewy. Have you noticed that? Like when he comes back, he's like, no, you know, the first scene, it's like, ah, you told me I'm going to do this. Right? And then in the last scene, it's just like, North, we missed you. I'm glad you're home. You know, like very common. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it You know, and and again, we we were talking uh, we were talking in our, our clerks episode about you know what's what's acceptable, and we look at this as the movie that came out you know at the time was this you know something that was generally regarded as okay that maybe we look back at it now and we think well that's a little uncomfortable, but I think even in 1994 you look at the the stereotypes and the 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 uh, you know almost racist depiction of certain people in this movie. And it was not okay then either. Which did you find to be the most racist? I mean, I feel like that montage maybe where they just have to give you like the shorthand for like Chinese people um, is, is just, it's just like a parade of racism. And he's going to Africa and his, uh, Oh, that the Africa sequence was the worst. His mom is, you know, topless tribal woman. He's like, (laughs) I don't think I could live here, boobies. You know, right? He's staring, staring at her naked breasts in this children's film. Yeah. So, um, ah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was, and some of it, like Hawaii, was just weird. Like they were saying Hawaii has like a problem getting tourists or something like that. Like that's probably Hawaii's main right. its main industries and everything. Right. Like and that. the Hawaiian, the governor of Hawaii, is portrayed as this sort of like backward, you know, almost like bumpkin-y kind of guy. Um, you know, sexist as well, right? Doesn't he he say, you know, the only thing that's barren in Hawaii is my wife's womb or something, and that's why they need to adopt? I don't think that's sexist. I think that's <laughs> it's really just, just distasteful. To a character, yeah. 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 Of, you know, whatnot. So so eventually we get to the Nelsons, you know. Uh, right. Yeah, the the nice white family. Yeah, with uh, John Ritter, Faith Ford, young uh Scarlett Johansson. And a kid who, another kid, a boy. Not you know, not important. Didn't did, go on to dog. become famous. Yeah. 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 And uh, North, uh, he's got it made, you know, his perfect uh, life there. And he just can't do it. Even even after Winchell doctors a video in a very clumsy sequence where. Uh, yeah. To make it look like his parents don't want him back, even right. though they do. Right. So he, the, the Winchell says, uh, what about this kid, Hugh? You could adopt Hugh. <laughs> And then the parents say, we don't want you. And North thinks, he says, we don't want you. You know, and it's like. Very clever, sophisticated humor. A big stretch, you know. Yeah. And even after that, North is like, I'm still going home. And then, um, to top it all off, you find out the whole damn movie is just a fucking dream. Yeah, <laughs> and that to me is, 
as a movie that just is insulting yeah. in so many ways, that is like the ultimate insult. Right. That's at the, the end. fuck you to yes. the audience. Yes, right it there. really is. That like, okay, we had to trudge through all of this and it was just meaningless. Yeah. It was uh it was the episode of Dallas where Bobby Ewing is just in the shower and it was a bad dream after he was shot. Uh, I was uh, probably five when that came out, but I remember watching. There that. you go. I never watched it, but that's of course very the, probably the one of the most famous. Like it was all a dream. Yeah. Uh, reveals, which is just stupid, and you know people never like that. So. No, no, and that was done for like practical considerations and stuff. And but I feel like even that is way better than this. Well, we'll have to go back and watch Dallas. Yeah. We'll okay, back. we'll do that in our next episode. And, uh, and now we will take a break and then we will come back and talk about the legacy of North. Hey, I'm Danny. And I'm Jazz. And together we are the Feature Podcast, where we talk about movies and everyday life. Be sure to listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes Podcast Network. And be sure to follow us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at The Feature Show. And Facebook, it's The Feature Show with backslash Danny and Jazz. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. And in this episode of our 1994 season, we are talking about the biggest flop of the year, Rob Reiner's North. So what is the legacy of North, and and we talked about this a little, but I think maybe the biggest legacy of North is the boon for Roger Ebert that it produced. That, like you said, it was a title of one of his books, and is one of, if not the most famous movie reviews ever written. And uh, he got a lot more out of this than anyone who was involved in making it. I think so, and I think those other reviews that you mentioned were harsh, but did not, um, you know, kind of like capture the zeitgeist as yeah, well. Yeah, right. And I think of that review in the um, New York Times about Guy Fieri's restaurant in uh, yes, yes, know, yes. New York City. And that's yeah. almost a direct correlation to this Ebert review. Right? Yeah. So um, other than that, like, you know, we should look up what Rob Reiner did he, you know, he's made yes. a lot of other movies. Well, I was, but, I, that was one of the things, because the one thing I wrote was like, well, it's, it's Rob Reiner's kind of career downturn. But the next movie that Rob Reiner made after North was The American President, which, which is a huge hit and still one of his most well-regarded movies. After The American President, I think is when his career started to decline and he made a lot of movies that didn't really go anywhere. Um, so whether North had an effect on that or it was just like Rob Reiner, I think, is one of those filmmakers who captured so much in such a brief period of time and then was unable to recapture that, you know, as his career went on. But, but yeah, I don't think we can say that North uh, killed Rob Reiner's career, no. nor did it kill the career of anyone involved. Elijah Wood, of course, it's has great. gone on to a, a, a very, you know, varied and strong career as an adult actor. Um, and, and he's great. Yeah, and he is great. He yeah. is great. And any of the adult performers, you know, including Dan Aykroyd and Reba McIntyre, who maybe are the, the biggest uh, offenders and terrible performance in this movie, uh, you know, it, it seems to be something that pretty much everyone involved in it just kind of shrugged off uh, as far as their careers go. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I was just looking at, at uh, Rob Reiner's IMDb and the fact that Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, North. Yeah, like, wow. right, what, right. What a well, and right before that was <laughs> Spinal Tap, right? And he made 
the short thing. I didn't see that. Either. I haven't seen that yeah, either. But, but yeah, I mean, so that that run, we're talking about. That's a run. Why did people expect this movie to be great? That's why people expected oh, this movie yeah. to be great is because he just had made great movie after great movie after great movie for for many yeah. years. I mean, you know, and if you're looking at that filmography, the, the other big hit comes in 2007 bucket list you know which oh that's true yeah so he was still making popular movies at at that point um yeah i mean i think really the big the other big legacy is just when people talk about what are the worst movies of all time this is one that gets thrown in there should not be yeah there's way worse movies this is a bad movie it's not the worst movie of all time i i agree and uh i don't know is it is it even the worst movie of 1994 i mean i think we'd have to uh, maybe, uh, you know, take a, a longer look, um, off the top of my head. I don't, I don't remember, but, uh, but I wouldn't surprise me if it's not, if there are movies that came out in 1994 that were worse than this or have, uh, you know, over time been, uh, maligned even further, uh, than North. Okay. Has. Movies from 1994. Let's, yes. Please read a list of every movie that was released in 1994 and we'll edit it down. No, it's bad. <laughs> Yeah. The Flintstones movie. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else did I... Uh, Car 54, Where Are You? Where Are You? Street Fighter. Exit to Eden. That's another one that's... Also something. starring Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Right. And I did notice in looking up the Razzies that Exit to Eden got a lot of Razzie yeah. nominations. Uh, the next Karate Kid. Getting Even with Dad. Richie Rich. So that's a big Macaulay Culkin uh, year of not good stuff. Yeah. Right? I haven't seen... Oh, I don't know if I've seen any of those movies. But... Um, um, it would not surprise me at all if many of those are worse than North. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to say North's place in history is um, overhyped as one of the worst films uh, as of all time. It's yeah. Not. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's a bad movie. So do we want to give it a rating out of uh, no. what, what should we what should we do it out of? Well, we're going to rank it out of the 1994 film Monkey Trouble. Awesome. Oh, yeah. So out of five <laughs> Monkey Troubles. Yeah. I give the now now I guess since this is the more monkey troubles would be worse, right? Oh, I don't so, know. We're really confusing so. things here. I think we should just stick with the normal. Okay, so system. the less monkey troubles is worse. I will give it. A, I'll give it a, two monkey troubles. Yeah, I agree with you. Two out of five seems about right. It's not good, but I've seen plenty of worse movies, just like in this month, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Andre the? Girl the, the the seal, seal movie no Man. no starring tina majorino right yeah you know we do think 1994 is an awesome movie year but we have just found out there's a lot of crap in 19 yeah well that's, that's like i say at the beginning it's every year is an awesome movie year and every year is also a terrible movie year depending <laughs> on how you look at it um so that is north and that is this episode of awesome movie year uh check us out on social media where are we we're at uh, awesome movie year on twitter facebook and uh the website awesomemovieyear.com and instagram and jason harris uh comedy at facebook instagram twitter or j harris comedy you can find me on twitter at signal bleed on facebook at josh bell hates everything and at josh bell hates everything.com and our great producer, Dave, has his podcast as well. At Piecing Pod on all of the social medias. You can also join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, a movie discussion group to talk about all these great movies. And I actually have one question for you guys before we wrap this thing yes. up. Yes. Yes, we will go on your podcast and break <laughs> down the influences of North. <laughs> Let's do that. But no, uh, could you see a remake of this movie in 
2019, 20, whatever. They'd have to change a lot. I mean, like you said, the basic premise could work, but literally everything else about it would have to change. <laughs> the only, I, you know, who came to my mind right away as the person who could pull it off, and I didn't love his movie, was uh, Sorry to Bother You, Boots. Uh, Boots, Boots Riley. Riley. Yeah. he's so just out there. Like, I feel like his style of humor could somehow... Maybe North could go with Horseman or something yeah. like that. So. You'd have to you'd have to really take that like satirical, self-aware tone, and because this movie is just so tone deaf and it doesn't understand anything about like who the audience is, how they're going to respond. So uh, it would be a challenge for anyone to. That would be this. actually a good reality series of like, hey, we're taking one of the biggest bombs. Of oh, all and time. you have to remake it. Yeah, and yeah. make it better than the original. So you know. Yeah, pitch uh, that. Um, so, uh, what do we have up on our next episode? Oh, next episode is going to be great, Josh. It yes. is the Palme d'Or winner at Cannes and maybe the best film of the year, if not any year. Yes. That's how good this movie is. I agree. Pulp Fiction. Yes. Come on. So, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to check us out next time for Pulp Fiction. And this has been Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west. <laughs>